Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Each week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we've watched not one, but two movies. Uh, last weekend we had a really, really fun Saturday night where we watched Lara Croft Tomb Raider and also Lara Croft Cradle of Life, its sequel. Lara Croft Tomb Raider, which came out in 2001, directed by Simon West and starring Angelina Jolie. And then the sequel, uh, which came out in 2003, which is called what did I, I just said it. Lara, Lara Croft, Croft Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life. Lara Croft Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life. And it came out in 2003 and was directed by Jan de Bont. Um, I would give a detailed plot summary, but really there's not much more that you need to know other than uh, Lara Croft is a billionaire heiress archaeologist and she likes to travel around the world solving puzzles and having adventures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that pretty much covers it. <laughs> that pretty much. Yeah, the summary for the video game is a pretty good plot summary for the two movies too. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so the first one, uh, I think it's her father has died and she finds a clock in it. Her father died when she was when a she kid. she was younger. Um, what happens is it's like the planets are about to align, which will cause them to be able to turn back time somehow. Yeah, um, using wibbly stuff. Yes. Using magic. magic. And um and her father, played by Angelina Jolie's real father, John Voigt, um, left her some clues and also this clock that starts ticking just as it's all about to align and yeah. so then she gets like she's going head to head with the bad guys who want to find the same thing as her what are they called? Yeah. Ar- ar- artifact as her. Yes, that's and right. And then uh yeah, so there's a lot of sort of – the great thing about the first one is there's a lot of tomb raiding and they go down in yeah. tombs and she does cool things like rides a giant statue and all sorts of fun stuff. Um, and then the one of the things I really like about the first one is the big finale on this like great steampunk like machine thing of all the planets mm, moving around. Yeah, it's, it's super cool. It is pretty dang cool. Yeah, um, yeah the second one is – uh, some kind of international plot. The second one, The Cradle uh, of Life, is like um, Pandora's Box. Pandora's Box. Some there we evil go. guy wants to open Pandora's Box and unleash a plague upon the world because that's what happens when yeah. you open Pandora's Box. Um, and apparently Pandora's Box created all life on Earth. Um, and so then she has to try and find it first so he can't find it or something but the second yeah. one plays more like a low rent james bond than a low rent indiana jones which is kind of more the, the idea the feeling of yeah. the yeah so anyway um enough about the plot it doesn't really matter all that much no but we sat down to watch these uh last weekend just because for fun and um we actually had quite a bit of fun yeah it was really we fun really surprisingly enjoyed ourselves mm. so much that we decided to watch the sequel that might have been a mistake the first one is <laughs> By far the better movie, but yeah, um, yeah. So we sat down and we had a bit of fun watching Lara Croft. Having said the first, first one is a better movie, and it's like just generally, you know, the whole yeah. m- the whole idea of it. It's kind of like in the second one, they got money, and then they decided to just throw that at the screen without mm. any plans. But the second one also has a really good supporting turn from Gerard Butler, whereas the first one has Daniel Craig, who is nowhere near as good. He is trying oh, an American accent, Daniel. and it is dreadful especially I mean, up terrible. against um our lead actress angelina who is doing a british accent and is doing a really really good job of it yeah it's really like spot on mm. perfect especially she's doing this sort of um high society you know rich girl um british accent very posh and she it's just so clear and so perfect and it's it's just Doesn't spot on drop once and she right. does a great job of it and she and here's here's the thing about these tomb raider movies 
is I think you and I probably haven't watched them because we're a bit felt a bit snobby about them. <laughs> like they were unfeminist and kind of stupid, and we just weren't going to bother. Mm. Um, and, and it seems that they they don't ever pretend to be anything other than they, what they are. No. They they know that they are a popcorn movie based on a video game starring some star well whose protagonist wears really really ridiculous costumes hmm. so they never they never stop to they and they know that their plots are kind of ridiculous and they just kind of everyone's having fun everyone's hmm. trying their hardest angelina in particular maybe mm-hmm. not so much daniel craig with the accent but he's i'm sure trying he was hardest. trying yeah <laughs> and it's got some like decent actors in it in it like yeah. um, ian glenn is the villain in the first one mm-hmm. and obviously jared and it's butler. kieran hines in the second one the villain yeah, kieran hines and jared butler as well mm-hmm. so anyway they, they kind of never pretend to be anything other than they are and, and in doing so you kind of have quite a bit of fun with uh, with the first one um i think the second one uh, the director might have had some effect as well jan de bon is he's is he the guy who directed dust boot um, I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe he's not. Maybe I'm getting him mixed up with someone else. But I believe he's known for things that blow up. Except that <laughs> the first one was directed by Simon West, who directed Con Air. And that's all about also things, things that blow up. blowing up. So <laughs> I don't think perhaps I was inclined to blame the second one being on, on it being a bad director, but perhaps not. The second one, I felt like it just kind of lost its way with what Lara Croft was. Mm-hmm. Like Lara Croft is a puzzle solving game. It's a tomb raiding game. It's that kind of, it's mm. the, it, it is the Indiana Jones kind of sense of adventurousness. Yes. And that, and that fits in well with like the fantasy elements of it as well. Yes. Um, whereas the second one trying to do James Bond, for one thing, James Bond and fantasy elements don't really work very well together. And like these kinds of fantasy elements, like all the, ghosty sort of well not ghosty Uh, stuff but um i don't know it just didn't seem like it fit what the story was supposed to be like what the what she was about she's an archaeologist she's not you know a super spy yeah there was almost no archaeology going on no just lots of there were traveling around the world two tombs and only one gets raided Mm. in the whole movie and it's in the pre-credit sequence yeah that's right like it's got no sense of that kind of adventure in it no anyway so i think we enjoyed these partly because um so before i said we might have avoided them because they were unfeminist and we were completely wrong in that assessment they're actually kind of fun they're unfeminist they're unfeminist in other ways but our protagonist is great and for once in our lives we're actually really pleased to have a movie with the woman is the lead and mm-hmm. the boss and drives the story, gets her own way, fights all her obstacles. And I, yeah, I think that was, that was, I think the thing that kept me going. Yeah. The thing is Angelina Jolie is really good in these movies. Mm-hmm. Like I never really got the Angelina Jolie thing until I saw this. Yeah, and then I too. was like, why can't she do more of this stuff and less of the pretentious stuff? Cause this is really great. Yeah. She is so good and so fun. Like she just, Regards the world with this sort of icy, like, cold... Well, to be fair, she actually does do a fair bit of action movies. Like, she did yeah. Salt and Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And that yeah, thing. exactly. She does a bit of that um, stuff. Yeah, she's she... probably the only woman around who does that kind of stuff. Um, I have a disagreement with you, but I'm trying to think of who it is. So, well, I suppose Mila Jovovic does a little. Uh, she's got all the Resident sure. Evil movies yeah. and, and she did first uh, Fifth Element um, I feel like there's more. I'll get back to anyway, it. Anyway, so um, continue what also, you're talking I about. Would love to watch um a an action movie with Zoe Bell in it. Uh-huh. I'm just putting that out there. Um, but yeah, it Zoe she's... Bell is a stunt woman who was in Planet Terror. She right? no, she was in Death Proof, the other Death one. Death Proof, right? Um, she was also in Whippet. 
Oh, okay. um, yeah. she was, which is a movie that so I love. She started as a stunt woman and is now transitioning into actress. Yeah, and, yeah, and she's fantastic. I love her. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Angelina Jolie is like just genu- genuinely good, and she has that kind of this when she gets to do dangerous things, she lights up. Yeah, the whole- like she just just absolutely. Yeah like pure joy every time she gets to do something like dangerous like fight killer robots or go dog sledding without the sled or like <laughs> ride giant statues or something she's just so excited yeah. and then the rest of the time she's just sort of cool and indifferent to everything so mm. it works she just does a really good job no, she's great well. and yeah and then you're right she does seem to be genuinely having a whole heap of fun doing yeah. it i think um i'm gonna use a word that i've always hated because you're uh, but I want to say empowered. I feel mm. like she's a real empowered heroine. I and I know it's such a cliche to say that word because you hear people saying it. Oh, I do pole dancing and I'm good because I'm an empowered woman. I and I choose to do. It. But I actually get the idea that Lara Croft is empowered, and perhaps Angel, perhaps it's Angelina because Angelina is one of those people who just goes through life, does what she wants, and mm. does not worry about what anybody else thinks of her. Uh, but but she certainly brings that to the character, or the character is like that. She's mm. very much. She does what she wants. If she doesn't want to do something, she just doesn't do it. Well, yeah, I think a lot has been made of, like, Lara Croft wearing sexy outfits. Mm. It's like all that people know about it is Lara Croft wearing sexy Certainly outfits. Certainly all I knew, being outside of the gamer community. Well, I'd heard a lot about the latest the latest game, which is Oh, yeah, because that, that created such a stuff. controversy. Did it? Well, yeah, because there's apparently – well, so there's some interesting things about the most recent game – which is a reboot of the original series, and is, and and so it turns out after we watch these, we discovered that it looks like they're rebooting these movies mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Fran Kazooie from no 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 someone from Buffy. Well, Fran and Rubel Kazooie had the rights to Buffy. Yeah, no, it's not. It's the Buffy writer whose name I've completely forgotten. Oh no, it's Marty no- Marty Noxon. Thank you, Marty Noxon from Buffy. Um, is has been brought on board as the writer. There's been no word about casting or anything else but anyway so the rebooted video game which is written incidentally by rihanna pratchett who is terry pratchett's daughter who's now taken over writing of the Discworld series mm-hmm. um so she wrote the most recent reboot of the lara croft video game or she was the head writer on it mm. uh, but it's quite controversial because there's a scene in which lara has to escape from a rapist okay yeah that's what why i've heard is that that's not true that's yeah. like some, so somebody that said was, that was the case and then mm, the writer's like but that's not the case no and now everybody thinks it is yeah so it was again these movies seem to have like because i think there's like a, a divide between mainstream feminists in the gaming industry so the news we get when you read like because you and i tend to read things about things from a feminist perspective but not mm-hmm. from a gamer perspective and so perhaps we've seen some of those news stories about that kind of stuff we said we had a play of the game um it's out already it's been out for months and I do plan on playing it at some point. We actually played it for a little while at last year's San Diego Comic Con. And not it was me, really fun. By the way. We being me and my husband, sorry, not me and Katie. Um, I, so I've had a, a little bit of a play of the game and it was really fun. And um, I didn't get to any controversial scenes, but it yeah, it seemed like a really fun game. Yeah, well, it's it's got a lot of um, good press for being like a realistic reboot and the performance of the actress yeah. is supposed to be really good and all yeah. that sort of thing. Um, so, I mean, but... But I think, like, this is the first I'd ever heard of it being like that. Like, the yeah. Lara Croft Tomb Raider series, as far as I knew, were just, like, her getting around in tight outfits and yeah. shooting things. With pneumatic breasts. And and, and two guns. Yeah, two guns and um, like, her tight little outfits. And, okay, so the outfits are tight. Yeah. But uh, we've talked about, you as you and I were saying, they're really practical outfits. A lot of the time like, they seem to be, Like, she's not really yeah. wearing low-cut tops. She's wearing tight tops 
that have like room for her arms to move mm-hmm. and room for her to like abseil out of tombs or whatever she wants to do. And she does all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of almost practical clothing for someone who does what she does. Yeah. I, well, it's not just that. It's like, yeah, she is wearing like tight clothes, but yeah. she's wearing what she wants to wear. Indeed. It doesn't ever seem like she's wearing the clothes for anybody else other than her. And I think that's the important distinction yeah. to make is that like it Again, that's there's the not a lot of the bit. sort of male gaze type stuff with her. No. Like she's not she doesn't exist to be a sex object for other people. She exists to do her own thing, which is like, yeah, exactly why she seems empowered and why she's mm. such a great female action lead is just because she's doing what she wants and what's fun for her. And she doesn't ever there's never a big deal made of her being a woman and there's never a big deal of like her doing what she wants to and getting her way and stuff everybody just sort of no falls into line with that unless they're the bad guy and yeah that's right they're all like her, she, well she knows what she's doing she's in charge of this bit of the mission yeah okay i'll just do what she does yeah there's even a, posi- a spot where she parachutes into a car and straight into the driver's seat like the her the guy the man who is waiting for her in the car moves over so she can drive because yeah, that's in the he second knows one. oh that's in the second one yeah because he knows lara's the boss and this is what you do. Yeah, that was the other thing about the second one. The first one, I don't know whether they were trying for a love interest with Daniel Craig, but it didn't seem like it because it was just sort of like there wasn't any chemistry or anything there. But the second one yeah. was definitely like Gerard Butler was supposed to be kind of an ex. Yes. And I, he was pretty good in it. Mm-hmm. But I also like – and they had actually pretty good chemistry, but it it was odd. Like it sort of took away from her storyline a little bit. Um, um, oh, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It just didn't sit right with me the way that he mm. was acting. Actually, he was my, my favorite part of the story. He, I, I liked the bit between the two of them. Yeah. Probably better than anything else that went on in the whole movie. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. It, though, yeah. Like, because really the rest of the movie was just. But, um, um, yeah, it really wasn't as good, was it? it was, but the first one, great fun. Yeah. yeah. The second one had a lot of weird problems. Like, they went to Asia. Um, there was a lot of very strange ideas about Asia in there um, and, like, the way that she dresses and stuff in it is different. It's just yeah, everything was a bit They do. Odd. She doesn't – I don't think she ever dons the traditional shorts and singlet top in the second one. No, she doesn't, one. I don't think. No, she just wears that in the first one. And I, for, for everything else, you've still got to – I think that we're hitting on this again. She doesn't wear the, the, the traditional costume or the traditional two guns thing or the – um, she does use the she two does guns. use two guns, does she? Okay, yeah. well, whatever. Um, and we don't really do a lot of tomb raiding. It kind of has very much moved away. It's from the idea of the games and the yeah. tomb raider. It's moved moved on to being just a female action hero. Yeah. yeah, and it's not really. And but there is a really great thing in the big showdown between her and Gerard Butler that I really liked. Yeah. Um, that is really terrific. Like the way that they the story moves in that sense. In some other sentences, it's a bit, you know, beating you over the head with the moral of the story type Mm -hmm. thing. But um, it also gives her a chance to sort of grow, I guess, a little bit. Um, And it's it's quite fun and it's sort of not something that you'd expect in a movie like that, I guess. Yeah. Um, But, you know, having to wait till the end of the movie for anything interesting to happen is not really... It it certainly seemed to drag on that second one, whereas the first one just kind of went and we're like, oh, where did that go? Oh, we're done already? No, I want more. I want more. More tombs to raid. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the more first of one... Ian Glenn chewing the scenery. <laughs> Ian Glenn was really fun. <laughs> he was great. It's like the shot of him just lounging while all these people Wearing try and... a black hat. 
mm-hmm. as well. He just, it, they don't even, this, see what, this is what we mean about it not even trying to be anything other than it is. The bad guy wears a black hat and commands like a slave, slave army, army of yeah. Cambodians and he's, he's just so bad and hilarious. It's just funny. Yeah. But then just watching him, like everybody's working around him. Oh, and he's, he's just, lounging. He's got like a, a couch that he's brought. In the middle like of the Cambodian ar- jungle. Yeah. And it's, oh, it's great. Yeah. He's just, it's so much to enjoy about the first one. There are so many little elements mm. about it. Um, there's also a scene that I really love where, like, somebody's – one of her little um, helpers, she yeah. she lives with a butler, a butler and who a... played Rimmer on um, on Red Dwarf. His name is Chris Barry, and I yeah. like him. And uh, the, the, another guy who lives in her backyard who's, like, her tech guy mm-hmm. is uh, played by Australian actor Noah Taylor. Yeah. Um, I can't remember his name. Yeah. I don't remember the character names. It's not that important. In the first film, they're actually they, this is a problem. Another problem we have with the second film is those two kind of got sidelined. Mm-hmm. In the first film, they're really important to her. <laughs> Do getting... you know what they are? They're damsels in the second one. Yes, that's where that's I was going with that. They are. they are damsels in distress, and they, all they're there for is for her to go and rescue them. And yeah. it really annoyed me about the second. <laughs> See, it's, we we here at Silver Screen Queens are equal opportunity haters of damseling. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. We don't like damseling. No, because the second one, yeah, you the first barely one... get to see her, like her mm. buddies, and then the only time you get to see them is when they're being threatened. Exactly. Like, oh. Whereas in this, in the first one, they're like integral part of def- her defending her house and stuff, yeah, and getting and... everything done. Whereas in the second one, they're like, no, nah, they kidnap and you have to rescue them. Yeah, in the first one, they're a team. The second one, she yeah. doesn't even notice when one of them is clearly being forced to talk to her at gunpoint, like because uh... they're, they're on screen. That's right. And there's this scene where everybody who's watching it is going, um, I think that. There might be somebody else there trying to get him to do things and she's just like whatever and yeah. doesn't even seem to notice at all and you're like what come on you're smarter than this girl yeah. um but mm. yeah and in the first one they get to do a lot more and they're really fun and and but they're also like undeniably know that she's just in charge like they do yeah you know oh, there's no doubt they work on team croft yeah know. But there's also there's a great scene in the first one where like one I think Noah Taylor is trying to pull pull pull, uh, pull apart the clock yes to see how it works oh, yeah. and then she's like oh this is all just a shell and she just Smash. smashes it with a hammer. and you're like yeah Lara yeah. Croft doesn't wait for anybody yeah that's right she's pretty funny <laughs> yeah that was good um so this brings me to another thing I noticed there are no other women in yeah. the whole movie anywhere in not both uh, movies both movies there is no there are no other women with speaking roles. Actually, I think that isn't there a little girl in the second movie? She goes into a houseboat, and there's a little girl. Oh right, a little girl in a family. Wow. Yeah. Uh, one other, one other female, female character. I think that's it. Across I'm two movies, pretty uh, sure. Yeah, that was my one, one of my things that really bothered me because I was like, this is so feminist and empowering in the lead character, but there are no other women involved. Everyone who yeah. helps her is a man. Everyone, everyone she's got to fight is a man. Yeah. Mm. It's just kind of like she was a. It's like somebody wrote a boy's own adventure and just decided to make the lead a girl. Well, I actually saw it as kind of like she was basically like fighting the patriarchy by herself as oh, well. Like, okay. Because everybody that she fights is male. Um, True. She only has the two friends who are male, but then everybody else pretty much is like against her in some way. Even both of her love interests have, are against her in some way. So she's so, just fighting the patriarchy? Yeah, she's just doing it by herself. It's, um, it's almost like I, she's the only woman in the world in these movies. Yeah, well, I guess I'll allow it, but I, I would pr- prefer me. Like, oh, yeah, I would have definitely preferred there to be it, women in there. There could have easily but, been like... Like a girl techie it, or something. Yeah, that's the thing. I think is mm. that they were like, 
it almost seems that they like they were like, well, we can't make any of the bad guys girls because um, then she's then that's not feminist somehow if we make the bad guys girls. Yeah. But then also, I don't I don't know if those roles are in the in the game or anything. Her helpers, I don't think they are. Um, well, or or they probably they might well be, and you play as her or something. I don't, and then that's a very gamer thing as well. Is that you, sometimes you play as Lara, sometimes you play as somebody else, like you. I think you always play as Lara. Oh, I'm do you? not an. Ex- I don't. I, I think Again, I played one experts. game, but um, mm. yeah, I I don't know why. I mean, obviously, butlers are never women, for some reason. No, they're um, not. No, but, but they could be, and there's no reason why. Yeah, I know, but I I, and I guess they're just traditionally. Yeah, and it, male. It's it's not good anyway, enough, really. It, it really is just her, and then all these dudes, and, yeah. and she comes up against whole armies and. Yeah, big groups of people, and doesn't bat an eyelid. Like there are like weird big killer statues and like tree killer things. And... Which it's clear that she gets off on that kind of stuff. Yeah, she gets off on all the danger and adventure and. But like whole yeah, whole armies of people just pointing guns at her, and she's like, whatever, whatever, it's cool. I win this. I'm chill. Uh, I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna win this because I have the world's most amazing bra. Or perhaps one of the world's most terrible bras, really. I don't know. It was all I could all I could notice in the first one was like that's a not nearly supportive enough, and b holding them up there pretty darn well. In in any case, I'm, I was trying to find out if um if um he the the butler's in there. She does have a male butler in the in games, the game, okay. But I don't. Can't I tell my if it's the guess same from knowing. The very very little amount I know about gaming is that she's probably got her techie guy and her butler. Like that, you might come back to them a few times during the game, like it, it, at the yeah. start and end and that kind of stuff. It, it wouldn't appears surprise to be a different me. character. Yeah, oh, I was probably named something different, but yeah, wouldn't his, surprise his me if there's something, something like that. There's uh, a lot of these sort of games have that kind of home base, yeah, type arrangement. Um, I was just trying to find out. Also, mm. I found out what Yandebont has directed. Oh, do Speed tell. and Speed Two. There we go. Twister. Yeah. And something called The Haunting. I knew but he hasn't directed anything since Cradle of Life. Right. Because I knew he was known for big, bombastic stuff. But Simon West is too. I mean, he he made The Expendables too. <laughs> it, so they're both kind of known for big, loud, shouty movies. Yes. And th- so really Simon West ought to be congratulated for his relatively light touch on this one. Like it's big and loud and bombastic, but he knows it's big and loud and bombastic. It's not just that. I think the stuff, like the action pieces are – this is the thing. When we watch something like, for instance, Man of Steel, which we watched last week, the action set pieces are like, they're a mess. They're all over the place. You can't tell what's going on. Yeah. It's just like beating each other up through this and that and something else. The yeah. action pe- set pieces in this movie are great because you can sort of see what's happening and like you watch every step of it and you see what she has to do next and all that sort of thing. Um, And like... The action set pieces also require things like actual props, great big props and great big sets that look really cool. Yeah. Um, like the set piece at the end, which is all on that, that, is what, that, that rotating is planet amazing. steampunk thing. Yeah, they do this. Yeah, this big steampunk. It looks like a sun with planets rotating around it, and yeah. she's got to jump across all these balls, and it's really very clever. You can see how that kind of thing would work in in an, as like a boss level in a game. You can, but it also works yeah. really well. With and it works the movie. really it's well really cool. as the climax of a movie because it's you, you're you're quite highly invested in it because she could be squashed at any minute just trying to get to where she's going to yeah. get to. And, and then you know they they squash a couple of people to prove that, that it could her happen. Man, friend's life is in danger, and yeah, pe- people are 
a couple of henchmen die. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, even in the second one, the um, big set piece before the opening credits in uh, Alexander the Great's tomb, yeah. un- the underwater set piece is pretty darn cool. It is really cool, but the problem with it is, again, that it's the only one. <laughs> Yeah. And there's a good set piece and then they just don't do anything with it after that. Yeah. You know? And like the the other one at the end of the movie is has nowhere near the kind of um impact that the I'm first not sure one I can does. even remember which one it is. This, at, the, uh, at the end of the second movie she goes in there's the tree killer things like the oh, kill okay. all the the bad guy henchman. Yeah, yeah. And then she goes into the caves to look for Pandora's box and there's that's like right. caves yep. that you can walk um upside down on like in labyrinth like in labyrinth. Yeah, that's the, right. Yeah. The staircases in labyrinth, uh-huh. which was my first thought when I was watching that was, "Oh, yeah. are we going to see the goblin king?" Um Yeah. It's not but, so bad. And but it's it's not as good as the first one. No, it's nowhere near as like effective as the first one. And I I can kind of get that cuz basically there's just a box. Yeah. Um it, it doesn't really have the same kind of excitement that the first, you know, all the planets and stuff. Yeah, and it's yeah. so cool. And it just looks cool. I like when they used to make things. Yeah, it's – um. It, my first – when I first started watching it, it was like, oh, God, early 2000s special effects are a bit special. <laughs> but it was yeah. actually – yeah, they, they are very special. They're, um, the computer stuff is just – it's really funny because at the time we thought it was so advanced because that's when the first lot of Lord of the Rings movies were made. And we thought, oh, those my goodness, that the special effects are so advanced. Oh, that's true. Those, but, I mean, the, Lord, first, the mm, Lord of the Rings movies still look good. They, they still look good, but they don't look – there's a difference between what you do then and what you can do now. Yeah, I know. But uh, there's also a huge difference between the Lord of the Rings and, and Tomb Raider. Yeah, I know. but In terms of the special effects. Uh, but I'm just saying, like, we thought that special effects in those days – in those days, oh, I'm talking about a time that I can easily remember. That was 12 <laughs> years ago. But like in those days, we thought, like, like Back some kind day. of old person. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but I mean, we did genuinely think at that time yeah. that the special effects were really good, and that they are a bit special. But I think there's a bit more. Um, uh, there was a lot less it, gritty realism hadn't quite taken over at that point mm. and so there was a lot of fantasy elements to it. Like mm. if, if you wanted to be in a to- tomb with some weird old mysterious artifact that could cause you to have your Nazi faces melted at any moment, <laughs> they would actually put a bit of time and effort into building this underground room and the camera didn't move around too much. You could see what was going on. Yeah. You can you could see her. She was clearly doing some of the things and they still relied on practical effects probably mm. much more than they do now. And cool stunts and stuff. Yeah, there's some Just amazing stuff. as stunts. a disclaimer, no Nazis get their faces melted off in these movies. No, they do not. <laughs> that is a reference to um, the first Indiana Jones movie. Although I did hear, we did hear scurrilously, that all the stuntmen, all the stunt people doing Lara were men. <laughs> there's apparently, they spent a whole lot of money in their digital effects um, altering them to look more feminine. Yeah, um, maybe that's why they all the creatures were so bad was because they spent all of their all special their effects budgets on altering cr- crotch shots. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, rather than on you know making decent bad the the bad guys actually look scary because there is there's a big like a, a, a statue comes to life yeah, in that right. in that and tomb and and you just watch it and go, oh, scary. God, yeah. that looks those are special special effects. Yeah, but the, um, but the stunts are fun and it, but it, it, there's also. Um, the idea is not that this is a, this is realism. Yeah, you, it's meant to be fantasy yeah. action, fantasy violence, and it's it's very different from what we, we've become really used to with really gritty handheld cameras, lots of yeah. punching and blood and gore, and, and trying to make you feel like you're really in it. By yeah, having it doesn't try and make you feel like over the place. you're really in it at all. You're no, well, this of... is the thing. Like, the, I mean, a lot can be said for like some movies 
having those elements, having all the gritty realism and having all of that sort of thing. But it's sort of like watching, you probably won't appreciate this metaphor, but watching Star Wars as opposed to watching like maybe Blade Runner, where Blade Runner was like the future that's supposed to be all lived in and like rain-soaked and noirish and like realistic, you know? And then Star Wars is like this weird, crazy fantasy world where they have magic force and lightsabers and stuff. I can appreciate that. I I do like Star Wars slightly more than I like like Blade Runner. I mean, I don't like either of them very much, but I like Star Wars a lot more than I like Harrison. Blade Runner. Um, yeah, so Blade Runner is... But I don't like Blade Runner much. Um, no. I, It's just not particularly good. Um, Sean Young is terrible. It's the worst I've seen Harrison Ford. A lot of people make a big deal out of like the 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 meaning of it but i just got bored whereas star wars is so much more exciting and yeah. fun and i, I, I feel I, like a lot of movies nap during star wars but i d- definitely had a nap during blade runner <laughs> i feel like a lot of movies these days just don't have that kind of element of fun in them yeah and we and that's the thing and for you and i i, I know both of us obviously our listeners might not know this but i know that you and i both like movies that don't take themselves too serious that's why we mm. both love iron man mm. because that's and that's part of the joy of Iron Man and why it's done so well, is it doesn't take itself too seriously. No, but it I mean it creates a realistic world that you believe in and everything. Right. But it also sort of has its tongue in its cheek a bit. Right. Um but it's not even just taking itself seriously. It's that whole atmosphere of like downer realism. Oh yeah. Like this is one of the problems that I had with the Dark Knight movies is just but when I was watching really the second depressing. one. Yeah. When yeah. I'm watching the second one, I'm like, I don't care, blow up the boat full of people. God, can we just end the movie already so I don't have to be depressed for the whole thing? Yeah. I mean I, I don't I quite liked I liked the third one of those. I but that's the only one I can really remember all that well. But I, I did I didn't mind those movies. I enjoyed them, but they are very, very dark and mm. I don't like them nearly as much as I like Iron Man or even the Avengers. Yeah, and it's all, you know, I just feel like there should be some kind of balance between like there's this there's this drive towards gritty realism these days yeah. and everything has to look super real and everything has to feel really real but we go to movies to escape. Right, exactly. We and don't I- always go to movies to reflect our real world. We go to movies to escape into a different one. It's why you'll never almost never find me watching like a Ken Loach movie or any kind of uh, a Ken Loach being a British director who right, who makes f- films about the working class and sad lives. And I get that, at, I, especially when I was younger. Like, I grew up in working class with not much money and with around people who had drug and alcohol problems. I do not want to see that on my screen. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm very much happy to hand over my $15 for some escapism. I can appreciate some people doing it. I yeah. don't mind if there's and some people doing it. And I guess it's important it. to tell these kind of stories. But when, you, when I... When, when it comes to action movies, like they're a, a genre that's kind of about escapism. Although, again, I mean, the, it's a different world, of course. You, when you're talking about this movie, is probably the first one in particular. It's probably even made pre nine eleven. It came out in two thousand one. Yeah, it would know. have been. So it would have been even pre made definitely. It was definitely made pre nine eleven, even if it didn't come out. But, so I mean, this is is not just pre GFC. This is pre nine eleven. Mm. So it is a different world. Yeah, I know, but when we were going back to like the realistic worlds and things, especially when you go to see comic book action movies, right? Or like science or fiction action movies, or video game based action movies, because those aren't even remotely um, reflective of our real world, right? We don't have superheroes, and we don't have like 
you know, Although science course. fiction stuff. So why would you try and make that so depressingly yeah. real that by the end of the movie you come out and you're like, oh, I just want to, like, die now? Well, I don't think it's quite that. And, of course, there is the important element of social commentary involved. Yeah, Because, I, I mean, both of the big summer blockbusters this year, Iron Man 3 and Star Trek Into Darkness, had, like, there was a bit of a terrorism subplot mm-hmm. about Sp- uh, Spider-Man. The other one, Man of Steel also. There's like there's these commentary on terrorism and financial crisis and all that kind of stuff. So I guess it, it comes back to what I was saying before about we do live in the kind of world where really bad stuff happens and sometimes you might want to use your entertainment to, to explore that. some of that. Yeah, and there is a sort of a negative kind of vibe And there's a catharsis everything. as well in, involved in like working through some of the trauma mm. of that kind of stuff through – having a superhero being able to come along and fix it all up. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't have very much fun watching them. No. And <laughs> well, and that's it. And it is nice to go back to a slightly simpler time when movies were a bit more fun. Well, then, you know, yeah. that, I mean, that's a thing is that there's it cycles and, and everything sort of uh, comes back. And, and, um, and I'm sure so... by the time the next boom comes along, we'll be back into happy, fun fantasy yeah. adventure. But in the meantime, it was quite nice in the midst of all of our gritty realist action to come back and see something that is a little bit more, a little bit more fun. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit more escapist. Where there's a superwoman who isn't actually a superhero but can do all sorts of cool stuff and like kick butt and especially kick men's butts. Exactly, <laughs> and there's and there is was then and remains now a lack of superwomen yeah. involved. So I and we even had trouble when we were trying to. We were trying to cast the reboot, which is um, happening soon, because there's just a lack of. Uh, I can't. I can't think of too many actresses now, other than Angelina, who are, who do this kind of stuff. I'm um, sure there are plenty who'd love the opportunity, though. Yeah, I think there. are. I mean, I'm just thinking of like we've got Agents of Shield coming up, where Ming Na is kicking all kinds of ass. Oh, that's so. Good. Yeah, uh, and um. Yeah, because well, I I know I sort of had to try to do a bit of fantasy casting in my head, and the only person I come up with off the top of my head was Adrian Palicki, who did um, Wonder Woman. The, yeah, she yeah, was, she the, was in the, the cancelled or never never made Wonder Woman. Um, yeah. I'm sure that there but are. But I'm, I'm sure there are. I, I'd just have to think about it for a little while. But I think it would be great to see a, a bit more of that. That just some action hero women around other who aren't Angelina. Like, I mean, Angelina is obviously wonderful and we love her. We well, yeah, are young and up and coming action ladies. Yeah. Um, just more of it. Would and be great. More, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's famously a problem in like comic books and stuff is that there's no, like when I was trying to name a movie about a f- female superhero, um, I was talking to kids. This was a while ago. I was talking to the kids I used to work with. And I'm just like, okay, let's try and come up with a female superhero who has her own movie. I can't think of any. Even the ones um, that you can think of are mm-hmm. like Catwoman and Elektra were both bad guys. That's they both true. started yeah. out as bad guys. And neither of them yeah. is a superhero. And the, the one that everybody thinks of is, of course, Wonder Woman. But she had a TV show. And, and she had keeps, a woman, a keeps getting any movies about her or even reboots of the TV show keep getting just thrown out thrown out for yeah, whatever cursed. reason it, it it almost seems that way <laughs> um and the other one was um the only one that mm-hmm. i know of is supergirl oh, there supergirl was a had supergirl a movie, movie and that right. was it there isn't a single one that i can think of that's just a, like an, a female superhero by herself who was never a bad guy who has her own movie uh-huh. so yay for lara croft more of her please <laughs> yes I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to the lara croft reboot me too and i'm also looking forward to for once in my life playing a game 
Yeah, the other thing that you reminded me of when you were talking about Buffy people being involved in the Lara Croft reboot is, have you heard about the Buffy, so the supposed Buffy reboot they're doing? Oh, with the Kazooies. Yeah, the Kazooies are, I did are apparently making a new Buffy movie without Joss Whedon. <laughs> I know. It just seems like a really, really terrible idea. Oh, I don't dear. understand. Even the Christy Swanson one had Joss involved. I know. And Ooh. I mean, they may have taken the script away and mostly rewritten it, but at least it had his involvement. Yeah. Making Buffy without Joss is like unthinkable to me. Mm. It seems ridiculous and pointless, and I don't know how it can possibly work. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, I think we've probably talked enough about Lara Croft and Tomb Raider and action movies and yeah. lady stuff. Yeah. So we might I wrap can't up. really think of like other things to talk about in those actual movies. <laughs> it was really hard. I kept getting off track off. We topic. we did we kept getting distracted because I think we like we had lots of fun watching the actual movies and I think yeah. we liked where they were going. Yeah. As much as anything. Um and some I, ideas they represented in terms of action yes. movies rather than the movies rather themselves. Rather than necessarily the movies themselves, although we did enjoy the first one. Yeah. So uh, your ratings? Okay, so for Lara Croft Tomb Raider, I gave it three stars. And for Lara Croft Tomb Raider The Cradle of Life, I gave it two stars. Yeah, I would probably give the first one three and a half and the second one eh, two and a half maybe. Okay. Possible, yeah. Okay, so yeah, I guess that's it. That that is Silver Screen Queens for this week. We have talked about Lara Croft Tomb Raider and its sequel, Lara Croft Tomb Raider Cradle of Life. Um, oh, God, now I forgot what I was going to say. It's such a long title. Okay, so if you want to get in touch with us, you can at screen underscore queens on Twitter. Um, yes. If you want to find out anything more about the show, you can look at the show notes on our website, which is silverscreenqueens.com. Um, you can like us on Facebook. You can check out my movie reviews at silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. Did I miss anything? No, you didn't. Thank you for doing the ending for me. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> You've been listening to Silver Screen Queens. Bye. Bye.